The reading is from Luke chapter 19, and it's verses 1 to 10, and it's on page 1053 of the Bibles in the seats in front of you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Samir comes to speak to song. If you allow me to pray for you and, uh, and for us. Father, thank you for the words that, that you've given me to, to speak to us. And Father, I pray that as we listen to them, you will speak very clearly to all of us. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. Can you hear me? Yes. Wonderful. We're already ahead of nine o'clock. <laughs> That's great. Um, I had one of those awful experiences yesterday where um, I planned my sermon well in advance and then at 10 o'clock last night I went to print it off and um, couldn't find it. It only had an old version. Um, and when I was looking for it to rewrite it, and let me reassure you, it's a quarter, a quarter shorter than the original version was, uh, which is very good news. Um, but I found a poem uh, which I felt tapped into the um, ethos of a post-Christian society and the, um, the glimpses that we all want of something bigger than ourselves. It's called Missing God. It's by Dennis O'Driscoll. I'm only reading some of it. If it's your favorite poem, I apologize if I miss something out that you like. Missing God. His grace is no longer called for before meals. Farmed fish multiply without his intercession. Bread production rises through disease-resistant grains devised scientifically to mitigate his faults. Yet, though we rebelled against him like adolescents, uplifted to see an oppressive father banished, a bearded hermit, to the desert, we confess to missing him at times. Miss him during a civil wedding when at the blossomy altar of the registrar's desk we wait in vain to be fed a line containing the words everlasting or divine. Miss him when the TV scientist explains the cosmos through equations, leaving our planet to revolve on its axis aimlessly, a wheel skidding in the snow. Miss him when the radio catches a snatch of plane chant from some echoey priory. Miss him 
when a choked voice at a crematorium reads a poem about fearing no more the heat of the sun. Miss him when we stumble upon the breast lump for the first time and an involuntary prayer escapes our lips. When a shadow crosses our bodies on an x-ray screen. When we receive a transfusion of foaming blood sacrificed anonymously to save life. Miss him when we call out his name spontaneously in awe or anger. Miss him when the linen-covered dining table holds warm bread rolls and shiny glasses of wine. Miss him when trudging past a church, we catch a residual blast of incense. Miss him as the lovers shrugging shoulders outside a cheap hotel ponder what their next move might be. Even feel nostalgic odd days for his second coming, like standing in the brick dome of a dovecot after the birds have flown. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, in a post-Christian, post-everything society, we still long for glimpses of something bigger than ourselves. It might be a denied longing, it might be an unexpressed longing, but there are times when we just long for something bigger than us, and um, our reading today talks about how that is addressed In that wonderful line, one of the best phrases in the whole of Scripture, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So why follow Jesus? Have you ever followed anyone in a car because you didn't know where you were going? And they say, well, just follow me. And at every roundabout and every traffic light, it's actually impossible to follow them unless they've decided they're actually going to keep an eye on you as well. They're going to stay with you. A couple of years ago, I was following Martin through Bristol and I was scared that I might lose him in the city traffic. So I kept pretty close to him, which was fine. Uh, Until (laughs) the car in front um, suddenly did a U-turn with no warning and Martin braked and I obviously went straight into the back of him. (laughs) So as the highway code states, we stopped and got out. He gave me a hug. We quickly looked at the cars and having assured one another that we were okay, he gave me a kiss and off we drove. And uh, you can imagine the passers-by thinking, it took that well, didn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Following is not that straightforward at times, so why bother? Why follow Jesus? I wonder if I could just get you for a moment to talk to the person next to you very briefly about why you follow Jesus. Why do you think Jesus is worth following? I'll just give you a minute to do that.
that's your minute up. Please do continue those conversations over coffee. It's great to hear one another's stories. Back to our passage. I love this passage. I think it's so shocking. And I wonder what Zacchaeus would have said to you if he'd been sitting next to you this morning and sharing that particular story. Certainly, Luke's informant in the gospel gives us a really good um, tale there. And Jericho, I understand, was on a trade route. It was uh, a road going through the city, as we know from the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, one road in, and it was a really great place for the Roman Empire to collect revenues, and that's what Zacchaeus did, and he wasn't very popular. Have we got any tax collectors here this morning? Anyone working for the revenue? Wonderful. (laughs) Um, Plenty of little people, though. I include myself in that one. Um, Yeah, Zacchaeus was very wealthy, and uh, by his own admission, not all of his wealth was through honest gain. And he is really keen to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He wants to catch a glimpse from a distance of a different way of being, of um, peace with God, of a clear conscience. He just wants to get a glimpse of something else. And he can't seem to manage so he really goes out of his way he climbs a tree and he um, looks at Jesus from up there but you know instead of just catching a glimpse of a new reality Zacchaeus ends up living right in that new reality that's what salvation is it's not just some future abstract hope it is an act of actual transformation. It is living in a completely new reality, being drawn by the Spirit to participate in Christ's life, dying to him, rising with him into a new and living hope. So we're going to look at Jesus this morning under these three headings, and they're all very brief. The God who sees where we are, the God who sees what we are, and the God who sees what we will be. And first heading, the God who sees where we are. Now, here's the first shock in the story. I think this is a really shocking story. The first shock is this, what Jesus says to Zacchaeus. Now, just imagine if I shake your hand at the back on the way out, and I've never met you before, and I say, hey, go and get your car. I'm coming to stay at your house. You might think I was pushy or cheeky or just downright odd. Um, But you definitely have a view on the subject, wouldn't you? And that's exactly what Jesus does to Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I've got to stay at your house today. Get yourself down here. I'm coming round. It's, you know, um, it's not a hint. It's not a request. It's a downright command. And you might want to ask, who does he think he is? God? Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly who he thinks he is and who he taught he was. This is God in the flesh speaking. This is God in the flesh seeing a man in a tree who nobody likes. Don't you think a God who sees you like that is a God who is worth following? The first shock is what Jesus says. And the second shock is who he says it to, which brings us to our second point, the God who knows what we are. 
Jesus knows all about Zacchaeus, but he accepts him anyway. That's the second shock. Zacchaeus, of all people, that extortioner, that blackmailer, that selfish, greedy, nasty little piece of work. Verse 7 says this, all the people saw and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. That's the second shock. Because, you know, I think there's a part of us still believes that Christianity is for good people. It's for decent people. But that's not how God sees it. You know, Jesus in Mark chapter 7 says, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. They all come from inside a person and make them unclean. You see, we're in a mess, and all of those people calling Zacchaeus a sinner seem to think that that label didn't apply to them as well. You see, Zacchaeus was a mess, and so are we, if we're honest. But Jesus doesn't come and say, get your act together, get yourself sorted out, and then I'll come. He just says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming now to stay at your house. I don't care if you haven't done the washing up. I'm coming now. I'll come into your life just as you are, and I'll start cleaning up. That's why the Christian message is such good news. Don't you think a God like that is worth following? You know, a a lot of religions say, get yourself sorted out, and then God might come and sort you out. God might meet you once you're sorted. Please hear me here. I'm not playing this kind of my religion's better than your religion card. What I'm doing is, I suppose, issuing a plea for honesty because you and I are not sorted. We're not sorted. When you come to faith in Christ, he initiates a transformation, but you still bring an awful lot with you every time you come to church. You bring the stuff you've done this week. It might be not being very kind to people. It might be you might have stolen something this week. You might have viewed inappropriate material online. You might have really, really messed up. You might have come out with a few choice words when you can't find a file on the computer. Guilty as charged. Um, (laughs) You know, just because we follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that we are not still vulnerable. We are still sinners. Jesus accepts us as we are with the aim of transforming us. So let's just be honest with ourselves and indeed with one another. If we're struggling, brothers and sisters, we have one another to help us with that. Jesus comes and accepts us as we are. Let's just do that to one another. But you see, Jesus, when he accepts us, doesn't just leave us in a mess. He has the aim of transforming us, which is our final point. The God who sees what we will be. Here's the third shock. Look at what Zacchaeus says. This man who has been out for every penny he can get. He has taken bribes. He's overcharged people. And Jesus sees him in a tree. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And immediately Zacchaeus does this. He says, look, Lord. Here and now, I'm giving half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody, and he had, I'm going to pay them back four times that amount. That's quite shocking. That's quite an immediate transformation, isn't it? And here's what I think is odd about it. 
Jesus didn't say to him, well, Zacchaeus, now things are different. You know, now I'm coming to your house. You better start obeying the law. And you know what the law says when you've cheated somebody. You've got to pay them back four times. That didn't happen at all. It came from Zacchaeus' own heart. Immediately, he knew as a Jew what would please the Lord. And immediately, he wanted to do it. That's the difference Jesus makes. It's a new relationship. What's made the difference for Zacchaeus is that unconditional love, that acceptance of him. Jesus has forgiven him and come to him. And when Jesus does that for you, quite simply, you want to please him. Doesn't he sound like a God who is worth following? In conclusion, you might have noticed that I haven't given you a list of reasons to follow Jesus. You know, sometimes you go on these evangelism courses and they give you this list of uh, reasons to convince people. And you feel a bit like, if anybody uses it on you, you feel a bit like you've got a salesman there kind of throwing all of these reasons at you, which sound half plausible but may not be. I haven't done that. Um, And I make no apologies for that. You see, I don't think your family and friends need a sales pitch. What they need is an encounter with a God who sees them, the God who knows them, and the God who longs to transform them. I'm going to end now, and I want to end with a little bit of of silence just for you to think about this God who sees exactly where you are, not just physically, but where you are in your life, in your relationship with him. A God who knows everything about you, even those things that you would squirm if other people knew. And the God who longs to transform you, the God who knows what the very best version of you looks like, and the God who wants to turn you into that. Today, salvation has come, Jesus says. Today, salvation can come here as well. Um, You may have been saved for a long time. Salvation isn't finished you can still have that renewal. And I want to ask you this, just in a few moments' silence, I want to ask you this, why is Jesus worth following to you? I want you to bring that to him. Why is he worth following? And I want you to ask yourself this, what might that look like this week, following Jesus? You might need to fix a relationship like Zacchaeus did. You might need to modify some behaviors. You might need to Do what you know will please him in your heart of hearts. I just want to give you a moment now to bring that to God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for salvation. We thank you that you came to seek, to save, and to rescue every single one of us. We pray this week, as we follow you, that you would show us how to please you. And we pray, Lord, that as we know ourselves to be seen and accepted by you, you will help us to see what you are doing in the lives of other people and to accept them and love them and assist them on their journey to transformation in Christ. We ask that because we want to see the world knowing you and we want to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Amen.